Hey everyone and welcome to the sixth ever edition of Metal Hammer Meets. My name is Luke Morton and on this episode I sit down with comedian and Metal Hammer Golden God winner Bill Bailey. I joined Bill at his studio in West London to chat ahead of his Larks in Transit shows at Wyndham's Theatre in London this December and January. We talk about his Sonosphere performance, never mind the Buzzcocks, his discovery of heavy metal and much more. Enjoy. I guess the first question is we're here in is that we're here in your studio space and yes. I was wondering where you keep your metal hammer golden god. Uh, the metal hammer, um, uh, if you look up there, it's on the shelf up there. There it is. That's right. Yeah, right next to uh, my uh, Royal Television Society Award for my Wallace documentary and uh, various other oddities. <laughs> so a giant horn, perhaps, and. Um, a, uh, a, a my own personal uh, signpost to commemorate me completing the hundred mile walk <laughs> last year. So yes, it's pride of place of on my shelf. Yes. <laughs> so do you remember how you first got into heavy metal? Uh, I think it was when I was growing up in the West Country, you know, and uh, uh, my. Um, cousin was a was a fan of guitar music generally, and uh, he was a bit older than me. So he, he, you know, he was he would sit and play me records, you know, like Rainbow and um, bits of you know Zeppelin, and then bits of you know, and, and then from that we moved on to listening to you know ACDC and all that. So it very much was guitar-based, you know, and we would sit and, and and go over and over, like just completely, you know, dissect solos and you know, how guitarists did them, you know, how he must have changed the pickup, the volume control, and what pickups and what plectrums they use. So we got quite into it in that sort of the technical sense of it. Um, but then I, 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 you know, I guess that was yeah, that was being a teenager in the West Country. So rock music and metal in particular has sort of been the music of rebellion and for outsiders. You know, did you consider yourself a misfit in your in your youth? I suppose a little bit, yeah. I mean, I, I, I sort of, when I was, it kind of came on to me that sort of, that role I grew into as I got older, as a, you know, as an older teen. Because at first I, I was... I got into playing in bands and I got to go and see in bands and suddenly it was and a whole new world you know opened up and that hitherto I hadn't really was was aware was was there and so going to see punk bands and going to see you know in Bath and in the West Country at that time was a real revelation and that but it, it gave me a lifelong love of guitars loud guitars <laughs> So can you tell us about some of the bands you used to be in? Were there, were there any sort of that you wish were still going? Maybe. Well, um, yeah, I mean, we there was a <laughs> we we start. I was at school, and when when we were in various bands, there was like a. Um, I think probably you'd probably describe it as prog. <laughs> so there was like you know there was guitars, keyboards, electronic you know sounds drums uh lots of you know if we could get hold of a smoke machine we'd use it <laughs> and uh big widdly guitars and keyboard solos so yeah that was the first that was my first sort of 
uh, you know, um, experience of that. And that was that was uh, when I was at school, behind closed doors, we were called. Oh, and which was really made where we played most of our shows. <laughs> and uh, and then um, and then after that, I was in a, a, a. It was more a sort of more kind of pop, really. It was a band called Famous Famous Five, in which I played keyboards. And uh, it was that was a big that was a load of fun as well. Um, but it just it, you know I yearned to pick up a guitar and play it. And I think one of one of the first comedy gigs I ever did, I played a guitar. And it was again I thought this is this sort of I feel much more comfortable with this. You know this is or was it part of the anything else? It's quite portable. You know much more portable than a keyboard. So you know it was it seemed to be the the instrument of choice. So obviously a lot of people listening to this may have seen you at Sonosphere oh, yeah. many years ago. Yeah. Like, how did it feel actually playing a proper big rock festival at Nebworth? Oh, it was, uh, it was an amazing experience. I mean, it was quite nerve-wracking because, um, as you probably remember, I was on before Slipknot. <laughs> it's just not something you, you know, naturally say as a comic. And... Uh, I, I, but it was for me. It was a it was a, a a wonderful gig, dream opportunity. Really, I was on the, I was on, I think it was on after Opeth and before Slipknot. So it was just one of the great, one of my my fondest memories of a gig. I think I can remember, and um, and you know, the, the, this was a bit of a bit of a kind of a, a, a radical booking really for for um, Sonosphere because. You know, it was a bit of a risk, really, booking a comic to headline a, a metal festival. I mean, this was, you know, this is quite a bit, lot of pressure, really, and um, uh, and so I, you know, I, I thought, well, how am I going to do this? You know, and so what I did was, I got a band together, and uh, you know, we um, uh, rehearsed and rehearsed a lot of songs that I'd performed before, but in a metal style. So, you know. Uh, hence, there was, you know, um, the, uh, uh, the 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 Ramstein version of "Are You Going to Scarborough Fair," which was uh, <laughs> at which point I realised there was a circular mosh going on in front of the stage, and the thing was before the gig, I actually thought that I have to get, you know, this has to be this has to be right, and I, and also, but I was very aware of the timings because the timings are quite tight at Sonosphere. You know, there's a sort of that like one band would play one end of the festival, one end of the the, the, the you know arena and then you know everyone will go down the other end and watch the other so you know I was on after the you know before the slipknot thinking I, I better not overrun I don't want to you know piss off the slipknot the not fans you know torn limb from limb you know I just thought there's this vision of me just being you know pinged around like a gonk <laughs> in the mosh pit and then, oh yeah Bill there's nothing left of him no 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 they're not got him you know and uh and so I thought it had to be tight, and you know, to be sort of, you know, the songs have got to be right. And so we rehearsed quite a bit actually for this um, yeah, about a week of rehearsals. The band got together, sounded great, um, and I was really up for it. And then it was, um, you know, on the day it was sort of it turned into this kind of it was almost like a bit of a an epic you know, because it started to rain, and it rained like you know biblical rain and and there was i was looking out and there was all my effects pedals were had a sort of plastic cover over them <laughs> and i was thinking oh this isn't good <laughs> and then 
Before the idea, before the gig as well, was I because because I was on for Slipknot. I thought you know they were with a mask and everything. I thought as a tribute to Slipknot, I would get a mask made, but of myself, right? And so, <laughs> and so I had this latex Bill Bailey mask face made, which was quite a, a very strange thing to have made, but it was uh, quite some weird and and a little bit scary because you have to have a plaster of Paris put over all, right. over all over your face and you put two little straws up your nose so you don't die <laughs> and uh, anyway so the idea was I was I had a I had a wall of marshals made what fake marshals that was actually a door and so I would enter through the door of marshals <laughs> and I was wearing a cape and a Bill Bailey latex horror mask and and a flying V and so it was all set. We had loads of dry eyes to smoke. It was like, and so the band are playing, and it was like, unleash the dogs of rock. And it was all that. And so I had the, I had the cape, on, and then I had the guitar, and I had the mask, and it was all that was going to be fine. But then, what we realised a major error was that. I wouldn't be able to take the cape off if the guitar was on top of the cape, which is what exactly what happened. So it should have been, you know, guitar on first, then the cape. So you come out, take the mask off, take the cape off, let's rock. But the cape was was it was all wrong. It was it was under the guitar, and so <laughs> and then I noticed another terrible design flaw with this mask was that we hadn't put in a mouth hole. Right, so I, my face was sealed into the mask. So backstage, I realised all this way too late. Drums going, voiceover, guitar, band are rocking out, smoke, dry ice, the whole nine yards, and then, and I realised, oh no, the cape! I've got to take the cape off and put the guitar around the other way. So I'm shouting to my to my tour manager, but I couldn't speak because the mask. <laughs> He's going, what? It was just, it was a bit of a tap moment, I have to say. And then eventually he realised and we figured it out. And then, you know, and then I came and I, it was a fantastic gig. I, I loved it. Absolutely loved it. Um, one of my, one of my fondest gigs ever, I think. And, uh, and one of the great, one of the great compliments was, um, I was in a, just before the gig, I was in a hotel I was coming downstairs um, in the lift, and prior to the gig, I, I, we'd filmed my rehearsal of me playing um, uh, Enter Sandman on the horns and put it on YouTube, and it got a lot of views, and I was going down in the lift, and these two massive, scary blokes with tattoos and piercings towering over me, and then they were, turns out they were Slipknot's road crew, and one of them goes, hey, you the horn guy? I was, uh... Yes. Yeah, good job. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> so it was good. It was a great experience. Were you a fan of going to festivals as as a fan as well as uh, playing? Like, which festivals were your sort of go to? I'm guessing Glastonbury was a big one. Glastonbury, very much so. Yeah, um, went to Glastonbury every year for many many years, and um, uh, and Reading as well. Reading and Leeds, and um, there was various other ones around. Um, you know. Uh, but uh, yeah, Glastonbury, I think probably was the one which we met, we went to every year. Um, and th it was one of those ones where the, it, the first one we went to, 
was idyllic. It was, uh, you know, exactly as you want a summer festival to be. It was dry, warm, sunny, every day, it didn't rain, you know, uh, the, the camping was great. Um, we saw those are great bands, had a fantastic experience. It was great. And we, every single festival after that was trying to recreate <laughs> that initial, all those, that confluence of things, which never quite, never quite sort of fell into place ever again after that. It rained and rained and rained and rained for years and years and years. And then of course the one year you just go, well, I can't even bother with this anymore is the year that it's sunny, you know, so, you know, but, um, I, for a long time, festivals were really where I, I thought this is my natural home, my natural habitat. I just, uh, I love them. So going back to that Sonosphere show in particular, like you incorporate metal into a lot of what, yeah. your live shows, but how hard is it to sort of make something funny out of metal without actually taking the piss out of metal? Um, well, I think that it's, it's an affectionate tribute. I think that's what it was. You know, it was, uh, and also identifying the kind of technical elements of what makes metal such a great live um you know musical form you know there's certain there's certain kind of um you know chord structures there's certain chord sequences which recur uh, in in a lot of metal and identifying those is a way of firstly acknowledging that you you know a little bit about the subject and yeah. so sort of fans of it can recognize it and so oh, i see so you know this is something which is quite common to a lot of metal but you're just subverting it and you know using it in a different way and and also sometimes you know some of the greater excesses of metal are quite funny as well you know just the sort of the staging the theatricality of it sometimes you know and the subject matter tends to sort of veer towards satan you know there's a lot of satan does crop up quite a lot it does a but but you know <laughs> That's good. I like that. But also metal is, is, is complex. It's enormously varied. It's technically extraordinarily... There's a great amount of musicianship in it. You know, It's, it's uh, um, ambitious structure-wise. I mean, look at some of Mastodon's you know, albums, their concept albums. They're things that, 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 you know, that belie an enormous amount of musical ambition and technical proficiency which is probably lacking in a lot of other musical genres and so that's what i like about it i like the fact that it's surprisingly complex sometimes the subject matter can be of of all manner of things not just you know the the usual ones it's it, it's very all-encompassing you know it's um there's all there's all kinds of it's can it's gone in all sorts of different directions. Like I mean, Opeth, another favourite of mine, have gone from this sort of growly, shouty, death metal kind of to more, much more melodic, much more ambitious, almost orchestral sounding. So, you know, there's that's what I like about it. I like the ambition of it, the the sort of the musicality, the sweep of it, the orchestral nature of it, and sometimes the you know the the lyrical and the textual. The, the, the context, the, the, the subject matter is often, there's no, there's no limits to it. You know? It sort of like appeals to my, the sort of my um, creativity. Yeah. So it's interesting that you're, you lean towards the more progressive elements of yeah. metal because at the Prog Awards each year, I think you've been down, but like Aid Edmondson's been down, yeah. that Al Murray's been down. It seems to be a lot of comedians like Prog. Mm. And I was just wondering if, if you noticed that, if there's any sort of reasons why you can think of. Yeah, because I, I think that, that there's there's elements of the two things that that cross over. Because I mean, I think that you know, um, that 
the uh, I th what I like about it is that there's this sort of an untrammeled attitude towards uh, subjects and creativity, and there's a kind of almost like a grand folly of prog sometimes, you know, which is evident in comedy as well. I think comedy can, is a bit like that. It can be it's it celebrates itself and sends itself up at the same time, and it's it, it can sometimes be preposterous and sometimes be quite impressive and quite technically impressive. And so there's a sort of it's a bit there's a bit more colour to it. There's a bit more of a wider scope to it than than than, than some some genres. And I think that it's that kind of slightly the theatricality of it. The, uh, the the fact that the subject matter can be from from anywhere virtually, but you know it could be, it's very often it, it's there's a literary or a fantasy element to yeah. it, which again ties in with a lot with 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 comedy. I think. So I think it's I may mention I was speaking to someone before about how it's like a, a way of thinking maybe that apparently yeah. comedians think differently to, to, to well, other people. True. Yeah, I mean I think that's true. I mean there's a, there's there's very much that there's a sort of lateral train of thought which is is mirrored in in a, in in certainly in prog and certainly in a lot of other um metal as well so i i kind of i can see a very much a, a lot of crossovers it's got a bit of a big old nexus here how do you feel about comedy metal bands uh you know what um i uh i'm sort of apart from tap obviously which is which is the kind of like the sort of gold standard <laughs> It's difficult to get it right, I think, because you know, um, without you see, as you say, without it becoming just tipping over into sort of like panto, you know, I think that uh, you know that there's a sort of almost it's almost becomes a little bit like one joke, you know, and uh, I, and what I that's why I would you know personally. I, I would sort of, uh, my approach is much more in terms of metal is that there's some comedy, but there here's some metal which is actually quite it's impressive, but it's highlighting a particular sort of musical element of metal which is inherently funny. You know, when you amplify it and you you know you sort of talk about it with the great detail. I think just you know. If the metal is just, if, you know, stupid lyrics and, you know, metal is, I mean, certainly hair metal and certainly kinds of metal that are easy to send up. Mm. But I think just being able to be affectionate about it and do it in a kind of way that's, it's almost like a tribute to it and it's a sort of, it enhances it rather than anything else. That's more my approach. I mean, I don't know how many, there's probably loads of company metal bands, I imagine, are there? There's a few. There's, no, yeah. very good. No, <laughs> I wouldn't have thought so. No, because... Because because the great thing about metal when you hear it live is it is impressive. It's musically impressive. It's powerful. It's meant for a big stage. It's 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 totally. It's I think probably the most the the, the musical genre the most which works best in a big arena, a big stage, a big stadium. You know, with a big crowd. Yeah. There's something incredibly vital about you know the sound of uh, you know musicians. Um, sort of playing guitars, drums, loud, fast, aggressive music, which very often metal is, it kind of gets the blood going, it gets the heart pumping in a way that other musical genres don't. And that's it's tailor-made for that environment. And I think that you have to capture some of that if you want to make any kind of 
statement about metal. You have to get that bit right first, and then you can do the comedy. But if you don't get that bit right, it's it doesn't somehow, it's somehow you've missed the point of it. Yeah, you know. So you became well known to a lot of, I guess, younger music fans, maybe not comedy fans, through Nevermind the Buzzcocks, like yeah. many many years ago. Like, do you have any sort of? There's a few moments that stick out to everyone on that show about you know Donnie Tourette and everything like that. But was there anything? Oh, yeah. Is there anything for you that you remember going? Yeah, this is this is a lot of fun. This is a really good show to be a part of. Yeah, um, I think there was one of my earliest uh, appearances on the show was when I was on with Rick Wakeman, and we were both dressed as wizards, and we were playing the intros round. <laughs> that was that was a highlight. Um, that was fun. Uh, you know. Playing a, a an imaginary, blowing through an imaginary jug, while me and Martha Reeves played a skiffle band intro to various songs was was another highlight, um, and uh, so those those are the things I remember. Um, and of course, when well Preston walked out, that was a that was a bit of a shock, um, and we and I got some guy at the audience. And plucked a bloke out of the audience and put him in the chair, and he became the guest for that night. That was brilliant. And there was a sort of an anarchy about the show I really liked. Yeah. And they felt that didn't really know what was going to happen. Um, and uh, yeah, it was it was a, a lot of fun. It's almost weird to think now that how many panel shows there are, there isn't a music one yeah. anymore. I know. I know. It seems odd, doesn't it? Um, and uh, uh, I don't quite know what that is. Um, I think uh, at its best, I think Buzzcocks was was a brilliant antidote to the sort of the bland corporatization of music. You know, it celebrated real musicians. You know, we're all music fans. We all love music, and we we you know we we wanted. It's like we wanted real music to win, and so we took the piss out of you know the the formulated bands and the and the and the and the board boy bands and the kind of X Factor that whole sort of world, and we celebrated the the real musicians and the great artists, and I didn't and it was, I think just it wasn't even a conscious thing it just happened naturally, and I remember after I'd stopped after I was doing Buzzcocks I, I actually was. Um, I was at the Ivan Novello Awards or something, and and a bunch of the people there were saying we loved Buzzcocks because of that. It celebrated real music, you know. And it was about that, even though it was a lot of it was just mucking about and you know staffness. But the, at the at its core, we all loved music a lot, and we knew a lot about it, and that's the reason why we were there, really. Um, so I don't I don't know quite why there isn't. Uh, a show, I guess, because there's a, such a glut of shows. Yeah. There's so many shows about everything. You know, it's it's finding the place for it. So there's obviously so many musicians on there from like, a, you know, some genuinely huge people came down. Like, do you still get starstruck in situations like that? Uh, I only, uh, I think, only a few times. Um, actually, do you know what? I think on the show, um, I was. I was a little bit. I, I loved it when we had Jimmy Cliff on. Uh, it was great when we had um, uh, Martha Reeves. Real legends, you know. Um, and a lot of musicians, the great ones are the ones that are most humble and the nicest ones, you know. You know and they're the most easygoing. Um, but uh, I think a lot of the time, you know, the sort of um, the real, you know, the divas are the ones that aren't the most. <laughs> 
famous. Yeah, they're the ones demanding sushi. The ones who've had one hit once, you know. Of all the people I think I met, I think probably I was most tongue-tied with um, Chrissy Hine. I was a big Pretenders fan. And I was just a little bit, you know, I just trying to sort of say all these, formulate all these wonderful things. And they just came out in a high-pitched voice. I think you're brilliant. You know, so um, I, I managed to hold it together, though, most of the time. <laughs> so obviously you were sat here in your uh, little studio space yeah. as well I was just wondering if there's any instrument that's like your most prized possession uh, yeah well um, actually you know talking about buzzcocks this this is a Fender Telecaster pretty much of a workhorse of the guitar world this was a gift from Phil Jupiter's oh. when we were doing um, buzzcocks so um, this is always here uh, in the studio it's um, it's uh, yeah one of my fondest memories is right there. Does he ever come around for a jam session? Um, no. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, you could take that in different ways, couldn't you? <laughs> These days, oh, we've got a lovely crop of apples. <laughs> Get the batteries out. No, we, um, we, uh, we don't, actually. We haven't. We should do. That's a good idea. I will put that to him. Excellent. I think the final question is just wondering, as a music fan, what you're in listening to right now, like what you're really digging. Uh, I, I I mean, I have hugely wide uh, tastes in all kinds of music. I, I, at the moment, I'm, I, I'm sort of, oh, I don't know, I just like to listen to things that are, sound different. They don't sound like anyone else. Experimental music, you know, music that doesn't really, that, you know, have a genre, defies all genre, you know, that it's a bit electronic, it's a bit metal, sounds, oddity, soundtrack, all bunged in together. I listened to an album, uh, was, what was it, a guy, a guy called Eve Tumor or something, and it was just absolutely bonkers. So things like that, I think those are the things that really just spark you into different directions. And then what I really want to wig out in here, you know, the, the Mastodon will come on, the you know, Emperor's uh, Sand, or the, the Behemoth album, which is absolutely monstrous. Oh, God, it's just like... There's this track on it, Blow Your Trumpets, Great Gabriel. Oh, my giddy aunt. Get that at full blast. Get the neighbours talking. And that was Bill Bailey. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget, Bill will be performing his Larks in Transit show in London over the next month before heading out on an arena tour of the UK next summer. And his Limbo Lamb DVD is out now. Cheers. <laughs>